Hey, this is Pastor Spencer with Racine Bible Church. You're listening to a sermon from a Sunday morning. Let's pray. Lord God, we hail your mighty and victorious name. And now in this moment, as we open your word, we ask, Lord Redeemer, let the earth hear your voice. Silence every distraction. Send away every unclean spirit. Subdue our flesh. Banish our unbelief. And speak by your spirit. Let the earth hear your voice. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen. We want the living God to speak to us today out of the book of Daniel. It's in the Old Testament. Psalms is a fat book. And then Isaiah, you'll find Jeremiah, then Ezekiel, and then a little book called Daniel. If you're in Isaiah or Jeremiah, just keep going a little bit, and then you'll find Daniel. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 6. We're going to get back, Lord willing, to the book of James next week, but when I was deciding in consultation with our elders and some of our leaders on what to preach on, it was between James and Daniel, and I picked James, and I had told my Amy that it was between those two, and she had told me at that point in time, oh, you need to preach on Daniel. So she is upset with me that I'm in James and not in Daniel, and I'm not happy when my Amy is upset with me, but we have reconciled since then. <laughs> but at least for today, we're going to be in Daniel 6 as uh, uh, the last one in our sort of New Year's series on first of all, because I think Daniel shows us what our priorities ought to be first of all, particularly in the year that we're headed into. So I read through the book of Daniel uh, three or four or five or six times toward the end of last year. And as I, as I read through the book, I had with me three commentaries that I would kind of look at while I was reading through Daniel. And it was sort of charming the way that it worked out. One of the commentaries was from the 1920s. I think I got it from Dorothy Brusco. And then one of the commentaries was from the 1950s. And then one was recent. I stole that one from <clears throat> Darren Bowers. <clears throat> but anyway, it was touching and kind of quaint to see what the commentary that was written in the 1920s was saying about the, the beasts and the prophecies and how it was linking it to the, the League of Nations and the end of World War I. And then it was interesting to read through that commentary that was written in the 1950s about Hitler, the Third Reich, the end of World War II, and the societal changes that were happening in the 50s, headed into the 60s, and then the most recent commentary that I kind of looked through too, which just shows you that history has its cycles, and God is sovereign over all of those cycles. And then I added to that sort of experience, my experience of reading the book of Daniel right around the time when it was Trump, Pence, Biden-Harris, the election, the aftermath, the uh, I'm reading about Babylon persecuting Daniel and his Jewish friends while I'm uh, hearing very clearly the Biden-Harris administration say that in the first 100 days, they're going to pass the Equality Act, which is a, a significant threat to churches like ours and, and uh, religious freedom and all of that. It just reemphasized to me the theme of the book of Daniel, which is in Daniel chapter 2, verses 20 and 21, 
which says, blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. In the book of Daniel, the kings do some pretty rank things. And yet that's not an excuse to say, well, God missed that one. The kings mistreat God's people. And that's not an excuse to say, well, God missed that one. The emphasis is God sets them up, God knocks them down, and God is always with his people. In fact, there's a unique way that God is with his people when they're thrown into the furnace or when they're dropped into the lion's den. God gives wisdom and understanding. In these tumultuous times, Daniel tells us that God gives wisdom and understanding. And I'm... I have renewed my commitment. I trust it was my commitment in 2020 and 2019 and 2018 and every year back as long as I can remember. But I have renewed my commitment to be grounded in the character of God and to be steady in Scripture because that is the only way uh, to respond when the latest Nebuchadnezzar or the latest Darius or the latest lion's den happens either in our country or anywhere around the world. We've got to go deeper into God, and we've got to go deeper into God's word. You know, fear and sensationalism drives eyeballs to screens and causes clicks, and clicks generate revenue for the advertisers. So there is a never-ending flow of fear and sensationalism to drive eyeballs to screens and to drive clicks, which generates revenue for advertisers. Circumstances may, in fact, be crazier now than they ever were before. But whether they are or not, it's in everyone's interest to get our eyes driven to our screens to cause clicks to get revenue for advertisers. But what is our response to the circumstances, whether they're crazy or not? The theme of Daniel is that to God alone belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Even when circumstances are crazier in 2021 than we expected them to be, the question is, is God less in control than he was before? When God's people are thrown into the lion's den, are the promises of God to preserve his people less reliable than they were before? It's my commitment in 2021 to go deeper into the character of God and to be steadier in Scripture than I have been because this is the only way to make it through whatever set of crazy circumstances come before us. And so I want to look together at Daniel chapter 6 and the story of Daniel in the lion's den. And as we open to Daniel 6, if you, if you would let me, let me open with a quote from uh, Theodore Roosevelt, sometime in the, sometime about 120 years ago, he said this, and I don't, this quote from Theodore Roosevelt is not meant to be a, a political quote necessarily. I like this because uh, 
Teddy was not talking about Daniel when he said this, but this is, this is exactly what's exemplified in the life of Daniel in Daniel chapter 6. In one of his, not in one of his, in several of his speeches, Theodore Roosevelt would often say, there are three things that will destroy the United States of America. Number one, peace at any price. Number two, prosperity at any price. And number three, safety before duty. Teddy was known for saying that repeatedly in several speeches. Three things that could destroy us. Peace at any price, prosperity at any price, safety first before duty first. And again, I say that not so much as an analysis of our country as I think that's an analysis of three of the features that we see in the life of Daniel in his, in his uncompromising, courageous way of living. Because peace at any price would destroy Daniel's integrity. Peace at any price. What they said to Daniel was, well, all you had to do is drink the king's wine. All you have to do is eat the king's meat. All you have to do is bow down for a second to this idol. All you have to do is quit praying for 30 days and you can have peace. But peace at any price was not something that Daniel would accept. The second threat, prosperity at any price. By the time we get to Daniel chapter 6, Daniel is way influential in the governmental system. He has, this, he has this position from which he can do an immense amount of good to an immense amount of people. And if he wants to hold on to that prosperity and he wants to hold on to that power, all he has to do is stop praying for a little while. But Daniel refused prosperity and power at any price. He was willing to give up his prosperity and his power. And then the third one, I think, lands the heaviest of all, particularly after, in our circumstances, after or during COVID-19. And in Daniel's circumstance, in Daniel chapter 6. And that is what would destroy us would be safety first before duty first. One of the things that I think personally that I find concerning just about the way we talked or talk about COVID is that it sort of becomes common for us to almost expect there should be no danger of disease at any time. Like science and technology and government should just get so good that we should be safe all the time. But there's no such thing as safe. Never has been. There never will be until Jesus comes back and shuts the mouth of the lion. There's no such thing as safe. Any government that promises it can keep you safe is lying to you. Any, any pastor or elder who promises they can keep you safe is lying to you. That this is, this is not something that humans can deliver. There is no such thing as a safe life. There's only life that has to be lived. And life has to be lived, coram Deo, and soli Deo Gloria. And life has to be lived for the honor and glory and obedience of God and God alone. If that makes me less safe, then bring it on. The only life that we have is the life that we're given. And it's a life in which we have to honor God. I think we see this in the life of Daniel in a remarkable way. So I want to read through Daniel chapter 6, and I want to give you five, uh, 
a five-point outline as we look at the story. This outline is already in the digital bulletin, which I myself have no clue how to access, <laughs> but uh, Bethany and Stephen promised me that it's in there if you, if you know how to do that. But uh, <laughs> the, the, we'll get these five points uh, as we go through the story, and we'll read through the story, and, and I'll highlight them. The first point in verses one through four is that Daniel was excellent in his work every day. Excellent in his work every day. Verse one, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one to whom these satraps would give account so that the king might suffer no loss. When this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. That's the first one, that he's excellent in his work every day. The second feature in verses 5 through 10 is that Daniel is faithful in his life through many years, through many decades. Daniel is faithful in his life through many years or many decades. We see that in verses 5 through 10. Uh, picking it up in verse 5. Then these men said, uh, we shall not find any ground for complaint against Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O oh, King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O oh, king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O oh, king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. Verse 10, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went into his house where he had windows in the upper chamber open toward Jerusalem, and he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. We see here that the, the second feature is that he's faithful in his life through many years. And we see the third feature there in verses 5 through 10 too. And the third feature is that he talked with God by praying consistently. He talked with God by praying consistently. And then we'll see features 4 and 5 in the balance of the story, verse 11 <clears throat> on down through verse uh, the end of the chapter. So picking it up in verse 11, then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making, they found him praying, making petition and pleading before God. And so they came near and said to the king concerning the injunction, oh, king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any God or man within 30 days except to you shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, this thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, uh, Daniel, who's one of your exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but he makes petition three times a day. Then the king, when he had heard these words, was much distressed, and he set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. But these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Now king, O king, that is the law of the Medes and the Persians, that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. 
Verse 16, then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you. And with reluctant hands, the king throws Daniel into the lion's den. Verse 17, and a stone. We'll find a stone rolled over a hole much later when a greater Daniel dies. But a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace, and he spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. And as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Now we're meant to hear our heart beat two or three times in that gap between 20 and 21. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him and also before you. O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel, they were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children, their wives, and before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces." Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall have no end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He, has sa he who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. The two features that we see in verses 11 and 26 to conclude our five-point outline are number four, Daniel's life proved that the worst of times are the best for growth. Daniel's life proved that the worst of times are the best for growth. And then finally, fifthly, Daniel trusted God and left the results to God. Daniel trusted God and left the results to God. So let's run through this story and see what there is in here that we can apply as we set our priorities first of all. How should we live life? The only life that we can live is not a safe life, but it is the life that's given to us. And what should be our priority first of all? So number one, verses one through four, specifically verse three, then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. The first thing we see is simply that Daniel was excellent in his work every day. What a, what a simple place to start in. Daniel was excellent in his work every day. It's maybe a little bit more tempting to talk about the Biden-Harris administration or the state of world affairs or my opinion about this, then it is to simply ask, do you do an excellent job in your work every day? 
if you're doing that most important work of staying home and raising little ones, do you do that excellently for God's glory? If you have neighbors on your street, can they count on you to be hospitable, to be ready to lend a hand, to have an excellent spirit of cooperation and kindness? If you're employed and doing your job and you're working from home, or if you let the laziness of just being able to wear your sweatpants make your work suffer a little bit, or do you work excellently every day? Let's not forget, before Daniel had this, this experience in the lion's den, he just simply did a good job at his work every day. He had a sterling reputation of integrity. Oh, for church members with these qualities, the, the, the audio of us speaking the gospel, or even of simply inviting someone to church. Hey, I go to Racine Bible Church. Will you come with me? That, that, that proclamation, it has to be backed up with a life of excellent integrity, right? And this is why in almost, in, uh, well, not everyone, but several of the New Testament epistles, like in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, this guy in your church is living in unrepentant sin. He needs to no longer be a member of your church because his testimony of unrepentant sin will, will, will make everyone in your church look like they don't really believe the gospel. This is how significant it is that we live lives of excellent integrity. This is what we saw in 1 Timothy 2. Prayer for those in authority, that we may live lives of dignity and peace and hospitality and godliness. That's what we want. We want the chance to live a life of peace and hospitality and dignity in our city. That's what we're asking for. That even when we're mistreated, people can count on us to be honest and humble and kind. Oh, for church members who have this reputation of excellence every day. So first, we see he was excellent in his work every day. Second, we see he was faithful in his life through many years. We see he was faithful in his life through many years. So here, uh, let's say the children's storybook Bible. I didn't go into our church library, but because it's our church library, I'm sure it's solid. But here's how you could tell. If your children's storybook Bible has a strong 20 or 30-year-old Daniel being chucked in the lion's den, that is an inaccurate children's storybook Bible. Daniel was 18 in Daniel chapter 1, right? By the time of Daniel chapter 6, 60 years had gone by. Maybe, we don't know if he was exactly 18, maybe he was 14. But if 60 years had gone by, then he's, he's mid-70s. So the knees that landed in the bottom of the pit were arthritic. And the hips and shoulders, if he lived in our day, well, he would have had an appointment at Freighter and been talking and consulting about replacing them. This, is, this was his age. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 4, it says that, the, that when Babylon conquered... Jerusalem, they took youths without blemish of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom. This is those 18 and under. And then when Daniel makes this, in Daniel 1 verse 8, Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank. In Daniel 1 verse 8, 
An 18 or 17 or 16-year-old Daniel makes this resolution to live an excellent life of integrity. Now, 60 years later, same resolve, same consistency, same integrity. Oh, to have that. Oh, to have that. Excellence, reliability, godliness, consistency over 60 years. I tell you, I, I was just on the phone with a friend of mine in another part of the country, and I, I don't mean this in a braggy way, but I always brag about our church because I, I love you, and I, and I see the evidence of God in you, but I was, I, one of the things that I love the most about you is that Racine Bible was in Racine since 1927. Our doctrine, our gospel emphasis, our conviction to give our money to support the cause of missions around the world, it hasn't wavered through all these years. And that I, that I get to, that, that, uh, that an old man calls me pastor and that his son who's my age, calls me pastor, and that his son, who's 18, calls me by that same title, is, is precious beyond words, this long-term integrity in the life of the church. I, I, uh, I don't think that we have ever aspired to be a shooting star and a comet and the church that's trending now and everybody's hashtagging about and we're the biggest and the loudest. I just want to be a steady light. Doesn't even have to be the brightest light. Doesn't have to be the most impressive light. I just want to be a fixed star. Our world has enough comets that just fly through the air. I want to be a fixed star. Year after year after year, people can count on you to be godly, to be dignified, to be peaceable to be hospitable, to be reliable, to be forgiving. This wonderful testimony of Daniel is that he was faithful in his life through many years. Don't you want that? Don't you want that first of all? Well, moving through the story, our third feature that we see is that Daniel talked with God by praying consistently. He prayed according to a plan, right? Verse uh, 5 the men said, we're not going to find any ground for complaining against Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So these guys are corrupt governmental bureaucrats. They're corrupt, backstabbing governmental bureaucrats. They're not Christian. They don't know the Bible. But they know. The only thing we... Daniel was a mystery to them, but they said the only thing we can count on is whatever the Bible says, that's what Daniel's going to do. They at least got that part of the, of the feature. Let, let, let's have that. Let's have that. Daniel prayed according to a plan. Verse 10, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in the upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem, and he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. That last phrase is important. He was not showboating. He was not baiting the government. It was as he had done previously. He, he lived consistent to his plan of devotion. This, this phrase occurs throughout the Psalms. And its Hebraic 
If we, if we said it from the Western mindset, we would say at morning and at noon and at evening. But the phrase that's throughout the Psalms is, I will pray to you at evening and at morning and at noon. At evening and at morning and at noon. Oh God, you will hear my voice. And Daniel prayed with these three set hours of prayer. He prayed every day. Do you talk with God by praying consistently according to a plan. Well, I just pray without ceasing. <laughs> really? <laughs> Number one, I don't believe you. Number two, that's supposed to be on top of your regularly planned prayer time, not instead of. So do you pray according to a plan? What's your plan for prayer? How and when? We talked about that last week, I think, from First Timothy 2. How and when? How and when? It, will, will you discipline yourself to say, uh, if, if you drive, when I get in that car, I am not turning on the music or the radio or anything. If I haven't prayed, then my, if I haven't prayed yet, then that drive is devoted to prayer. Make a plan for how you're going to discipline yourself to pray. Make a plan for how you're going to discipline yourself to get into the word every day. I know we're only in January and we're already falling behind in our daily reading plans, but that's not an excuse to give up. Make a plan and discipline yourself to stick with it. Say, well, I do know this. I'm not going to eat anything until I eat a chapter from the Old Testament and a chapter from the New Testament every day. So if you're too busy in the morning, then oh, hopefully you can get to it before lunch. If you're too busy before lunch, hopefully you can get to it before dinner or you're fixing to be fasting for 24 hours. What's your plan? And how do you stick with it? You know, for me, the, I've always, I, it's always so simple for me to read the Bible first because this is God's word directed to me and then to pray to him with the words that he's given me to direct the thoughts of my heart back to him. Ephesians 6, 17 and 18. Ephesians 6, 17, taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Ephesians 6, 18, praying all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. So many churches get wacky about praying in the Spirit. It's not tongues. It's not dreams. It's not prophecies. It's right there in Ephesians 6, 17 and 18. I pray in the Spirit every day because when I pray, I have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, open. And it directs my prayers. One of my Puritan mentors always, always said, what is prayer but inverting God's promises back to him? Those are the best prayers, taking it from the word and lifting it back up to God in prayer. I do that every day. So I read it, I read something, and then there's something in there about the kind of man that I want to be and I'm not yet. And I get, lift that to God in prayer. There's something in there about a strength that our church should have but doesn't have yet. And so I lift that up to God in prayer. There's something in there about a sin that I know I've committed or a sin that I happen to know that a, that a brother or a sister is falling into or is in danger of falling into. And I lift that up to God in prayer. And I want to tell you, church, as you're consistent in the word and prayer, let's not forget the gospel. You're not consistent in word and prayer to earn God's favor and make God want to love you and save you. We take the gospel first. 
The gospel is that Jesus has loved you and saved you by dying on the cross for you and rising again for you. And now he says, if you're in me, then you're going to be blessed in all you do if you abide in me. And so the word in prayer is abiding in the Savior who has already saved us. Let's get the gospel as the, as the foundation, as the root. And this is just what it feels like and what it looks like to abide in him. The gospel is Jesus saves by his life, his death, and his resurrection. But it's so important that we follow this example of Daniel and we talk with God consistently through prayer. Like I said, let this year be a year when you go deeper into God and where you're stronger in the scripture than ever before. Because the sensationalism that drives eyeballs to screens, to drive clicks, to drive revenue for advertisers is only going to get louder. There are many people, how's this for a conspiracy theory? There are many people who are paid very high salaries to write algorithmic code to control your attention. There are. There are many people paid very high salaries to write algorithmic code which determines where your attention will go and what you think is most important. You need to resist that by going deeper into God, deeper into scripture, and deeper into prayer. Somebody made this point immediately and the penny dropped for me as soon as he made it to me. He said, he simply asked a question. I challenge you to remember the next to the last thing that social media told you to be enraged about. The next to the last thing. I was like, I can't. That's the point. Only the last thing. Only the last thing. Only the last thing. Only the last thing. To get those clicks, to drive those eyeballs, to get the, that. That's all it is. And so if, if we're constantly wrapped up in that, there's, there's something about closing your eyes to pray. And in closing your eyes to pray, do you hear me, church? In closing your eyes to pray, you are for the first time opening your eyes to what really matters. And in folding your hands to pray, you are for the first time grasping the weapons of warfare for the only battle that matters unto eternity. This is the way Daniel lived. True prayer is a struggle and it's a fight. The fight for our attention, the fight for our affection. So live with that consistent focus on prayer. As we continue through the story, fourth, the life of Daniel proves that the worst of times are the best for growth. The life of Daniel proves that the worst of times are the best for growth. We see this in, well, this whole narrative of Daniel in the lion's den. This story and dozens of other biblical narratives show us that it's the case that the worst times are the best times for spiritual development. Note the unfavorable soil which grows godly character. Without the character of Daniel, there's no book of Daniel. Without Daniel's consistent prayer life, there's no book of Daniel. But without a prayer prohibiting Babylon, there's no book of Daniel. Note the unfavorable soil in which godly character grows. This is the way it's always been. This is the way it pretty much has to be. Daniel is Daniel because of his courage and consistency. 
But courage is only courage when it is tested in battle. Consistency is only consistency if there are others who fall away and one who remains consistent. Note the unfavorable circumstances in which solid spiritual growth has to happen. We admire in Daniel his devout consecration, his uncompromising courage. And this, is, this only happens in Babylon with all of its harlotry, with all of its barbarity, with all of its violence and excess. It may sound paradoxical, but it is a truth of Scripture proven dozens of times in dozens of narratives that unfavorable circumstances are the most favorable circumstances for Christian character growth. Only the pressure makes the diamond. Only the, only the resistance of the weight grows the muscles. You know that little poem, Good Timber? The tree that never had to fight for sun and sky and air and light, but stood out in the open plain and always got its share of rain, never became a forest king, but lived and died a scrubby thing. Good timber does not grow with ease. The stronger the wind, the stronger the trees. The further the sky, the greater the length, the more the storm, the more the strength. Good timber is weathered in a storm. It does sound like a paradox, but it is proven over and over in Scripture that unfavorable circumstances are the most favorable circumstances for the growth of Christian character. Prosperity and ease were not good for Israel. You guys are going through the book of Acts right now in, uh, in your ABFs. Prosperity and ease, not good for the church. When the church really moves is when these testings come. So we face them not with fear, but we face them grounded deeper in the character of God, grounded stronger in Scripture with a, with a you see, the circumstance, it doesn't change our primary commitments are still to worship God, to pray, to love neighbor. These are, we're doing the same things that we've done with this consistency well, if that's the fourth point, that it proved that the worst of times are the best for growth, then the fifth and final point is simply this. Daniel trusted God and left the results to him. See, when Daniel trusted God, he didn't angle for an outcome. Isn't this what it all comes down to sometimes? When I'm, someone asks me for advice as a Christian minister and I give them what the Bible says they ought to do. And they say, not hostily, they're not arguing with me, but they just say, yeah, but if I do that, it's not going to work out. And I just say, well, you didn't come to me and ask me how to work it out because if you did, I wouldn't answer your question. I'm not in the business of working things out. I'm in the business of what does the Bible say? This is what we have to do. It's not, it's not ours to work it out. It's ours to obey God. It's ours to fear God, not man. Working it out means that on the other end of this thing, I don't want to regret that I ignored God. That's the way it works out. If I end up smashed, if we end up, whatever, whatever other outcome there is, I don't want to end up on the other side of this thing as someone who said, I knew what God said, but I didn't do it because I had a good reason. Just do what God says. Daniel trusted God and left the results to him. We like Daniel 6 because he ends up alive. 
There are other biblical stories where they honored God and they ended up dead, but that was only to their advantage, far, far, far better to depart and be with Christ. You think Daniel wanted to stay in Babylon? I I imagine he was like, well, have a nice meal, lions. I want to see Jesus. (laughs) But he lived so he could go on and do good, but the whole thing was in God's hands. Don't you, don't, don't you feel like Daniel felt like Paul in Philippians 1? You know, if, if they chop my head off, that's one good thing. If they let me live on and pastor the church, that's one good thing. I don't know which one to choose. They're both fine. Just do it. He trusted God and left the results to him. What was the ask? The ask was not that big. The ask was a 30-day pause. And they couldn't even control that Daniel could pray secretly in his mind. (laughs) He could could have said, well, I won't open up the windows for 30 days. Okay, okay, okay. It was a small thing. It was a small thing. And so they say, Daniel, why, why not do this just for a short time? 30 days will be over real soon. You won't sacrifice your power, your position, your ability to do good, your influence, all of that. But there's no only And really, one of the things Daniel shows us is there's no small thing when it comes to his integrity in his relationship with God. A 30-day time frame means nothing to him. He trusted God and he stood alone. If the outcome doesn't look good, godly principles remain the same, even in full view of a bad outcome. If others fall away, Godly principles remain the same, even if I am the only one left. If other people who are members of the church tell me that I'm crazy, if I know that God has said to do this in his word, then you stand alone and you follow, even if no one comes with you. Trust God and leave the results to him. Oftentimes, the godly man will stand alone. Oftentimes, the godly woman will stand alone on her campus in her friend group, in her workplace, on Facebook, with friends, wherever. The godly will always defy visible circumstances because we don't live on visible circumstances. It's when we close our eyes that we really see what's happening. And it's when we fold our hands that we take on the weapons that really win the battle. So we don't live angling for outcomes like everybody else in the world. You need to know who you are and you need to know how to be able to stand alone. And Christian, when you stand alone, you are never less alone. It's the fellowship of Christ is always the fellowship of suffering. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the furnace is when that fourth figure appeared. When Dan, I think I, I think I see him here. I might be wrong. This is just a guess. It's probably wrong, but you see the lions in... Um, Verse 27, um, no, I'm sorry, not, not, not verse 27. When he's thrown into the lion's den and uh, the king goes in in verse 19 and as he comes near, he calls for Daniel and Daniel says in verse 21, oh, king, live forever. Verse 22, that's what I was looking for, verse 22. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. Just a guess, but... Lions show up at a few particular places in Scripture here where their mouths are shut, 
and then two other places where their mouths are shut. Isaiah 11 and Isaiah 65, which say that when the Son of God returns, all the lions will close their mouths and the lambs will cozy up to them. Because when Jesus came, it was that he would conquer far as the curse is found and thorn would no longer infest the ground and nature would no longer be red in tooth and claw and Jesus would shut the lion's mouth. I'm not sure that the angel was a, a prior appearance of, of, the, uh, of the son of God, but I'm saying this is a very Jesus thing to happen here. Jesus and Jesus alone saves from sin and death. And Jesus, and Jesus alone, shuts the lion's mouth. Church, never forget the gospel. I'm calling you to exceeding courage in 2021. And I am telling you, church, your courage will neither save you nor anybody else. Only Jesus saves. Only Jesus shuts the lion's mouth. Only Jesus dies and rises again so that all those who are in them rise again because they are in Christ. But we see that Daniel, first of all, lived an uncompromising life in which he refused peace at any price, he refused prosperity at any price, and he refused safety first before duty first. Daniel knew there's no such thing as a safe life. There's only life. And life must be lived. It must be lived in the presence of God, according to the word of God, and for the glory of God. Church, first of all, first of all, let us live like we believe, verses 26 and 27, that God is the living God and that his kingdom shall never be destroyed and that to his dominion there shall be no end. And we trust God with all that lies before us in the year 2021. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, strengthen your church. Lord Jesus, take away our unbelief. Lord Jesus, take away the fear of man. Lord Jesus, take away our addiction to angling for outcomes and understanding every circumstance and give us faith to trust you and to obey your word no matter what. Jesus, hear your children. Hear your children as they pray and give them the faith and the courage and the integrity that they ask you for, for your kingdom's sake. Amen. To find out more about our ministry, contact us at racinebible.org. Thank you for listening.